Today I'm going to kick off a, a series we're in for the next month called Worlds Build Words Build Worlds. It's really important when you're speaking about words to get the words right. There's a lot of pressure this morning. Um, I've already messed it up so far. Um, yesterday I was in preparation for today. I was actually, well I wasn't in preparation for today, but I was reading an article about Donald Trump. Donald Trump had a famous press conference on Friday in the Rose Garden. We're all fed. Why you come to church, you don't want to hear about Donald Trump. I know we all hear about Donald Trump during the week. But there was something about this press conference that really stood out to me. Um, the press have covered his, his press conference um, and commented on it over the weekend. But there was, there was something that stood out to me. He was asked by a journalist on Friday about a comment that he had made a month ago. In, in which he said, quote, the following I'm proud to shut down the government for border security. And so on Friday, Trump then said that he doesn't actually call the government shutdown a shutdown. He said, quote, I'm very proud of doing what I'm doing. I don't call it a shutdown. I call it doing what you have to do for the benefit and safety of our country. He told reporters, you can call it the Schumer or the Pelosi or the Trump shutdown. It doesn't make a difference to me. It's just words. It's just it's just words, it's just words, it's just words. It's not the first time that Trump has actually used that phrase, it's just words. If you remember the presidential debates, maybe you don't follow politics as much as I do, but in 2016, that famous leaked tape that came out where he was disparaging women and saying a lot of nasty things, he just wrote it off in this presidential debate as it's just words, which raises the question today as we begin a series called Words Build Worlds, are words really that important? As we begin a new year, as we consider um, this topic, um, are they, do they really matter? We've all heard the phrase, actions speak louder than words. The modern day proverb that we've actually also Christianized um, by quoting or accurately misquoting Francis of Assisi, who never actually said, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. We've Christianized that intimating that I suppose words really aren't all that important, they're certainly not as important as your actions. And if you've hung around church, evangelical communities particularly, you might have heard the walk the walk, don't just talk the talk. And I guess we we understand what that is all about. We understand it's speaking to the important principle of integrity. Words can be cheap, words can be empty, and actions really do matter. We back up the talk. We're all about that here in this community and it's really important following the way of Jesus is really to do with integrity and authenticity and not just cheap talk empty words but I'm not here this morning to make a political point or anything about Donald Trump but I'm not here to start a debate about St. Francis of Assisi and whether he actually said that famous quote or not I want to start a conversation about conversation I want to give a word about Words, I want to speak about speech because, and perhaps we, we know the, the role that words have in our lives or perhaps we don't. Are words just words or is there more to it? What role does our language and our speech have? We're going to begin a series on that for the next four weeks. It's going to help us to explore that. We're not going to just explore it in a technical way as it relates to facts and the truth, the way that Trump would, for example, dismiss words because they point to certain facts and he's really shaping his idea. But I want to talk about words and language as it relates to our being in the world 
everyday life and the role of words as it relates to building up each other and building up community. So what about this? What about words? Words, we use them, don't we? we use, all of us use them all the time. Some of us use them more than others. We can be really thoughtful with our words. Some of us can be really thoughtless with our words. Maybe we don't often really consider what our words are for or the power that they have to accomplish and affect reality. Words have, uh, can be used in so many different ways. Words are really versatile in that regard. I suppose one of the most prominent ways that words are used every day is in a kind of functional, utilitarian way. Words are prominently written and spoken to perform this particular role, the role of conveying information. In a sense, what we've been doing a lot in our host slot this morning, conveying information, speaking to one another, conveying information. Our whole communications industry trades in words, primarily for spreading of information and speculation and all the rest of it. Column inches are filled. Web pages are filled with words. Words feel disposable sometimes. So many words. Social media shows how disposable words can be. Just so many words, written, typed, spoken, and yet so little is often actually being said. George Steiner, he's one of the most perceptive literary critics and writers alive today. He's written about this use of words and language, this functional use, and he says this, that conveying information is nothing but a marginal and highly specialized function of language. It's, it's important, but it's, it is marginal. There's much more to language and words than just that. Which begs the question, what is just that? What is the more to our words and our language than communicating information if words are so plentiful and so disposable, you know, yesterday's newspaper is today's fish and chip paper and all that, then do they really matter? Perhaps there's another way to think about language and speech. And of course there is. We all know there is. Our scriptures, as followers of Jesus, the, the primary text that we orient ourselves around that reveals Jesus is the Holy Scriptures, the Bible. It has a lot to say to us about words, about speech, and about language, and particularly about the power of the pen and the tongue. Let me share a few, can I? Can I share a few with you? First thing that maybe the scriptures teach us is that words have power. Let me read Proverbs eighteen twenty one. Hopefully, it'll come up on the screen. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Or the message translation, which I really love, says this, that words kill And words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. It's a bit like the matrix and the red and the blue pill um, going on there. But yeah, words kill, words give life. Poison, fruit you choose. Another thing that the scriptures teach us is words can hurt. We've all heard the phrase, um, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And we also know that it's absolute garbage. It's not true. Words are devastating, can be devastating in their destruction. Um, Words spoken in 10 seconds can can leave scars for 10 years deep in someone's psyche or their soul. Words are powerful, but words can also heal. Proverbs speaks of this too. Let me read some of these out to you. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul, healthy to the body. 
Proverbs 12, 25. Worry weighs a person down, but an encouraging word cheers a person up. Proverbs 25, 15 says, Patience can persuade a prince, and soft speech can crush, crush strong opposition. Proverbs 18, 20 says, Words satisfy the soul as food satisfies the stomach. The right words on a person's lips bring satisfaction. So it's pretty simple and obvious in a way to us at times that words can be powerful. They're, they're rarely neutral. Words can affirm, encourage. Words can divide, can divide a family even. Words can build up someone's self-esteem. Words can actually tear down someone's self-esteem. Words can work people into a frenzy. Words can disrupt unity. Words can bring comfort. Words can create panic. Words can express love, incite violence, inspire confidence, spread mistrust. Words can communicate value. Words can destroy reputations. Words can resolve conflict. Words can wound deeply. Words can bring healing. And we could go back to moments in our lives, can't we? Significant moments in our lives when perhaps words have breathed life into us and inspired us. We can also perhaps remember those moments when someone's words have deeply hurt us or cut us or even wounded us. And these words, for good and for ill, echo in our present. And they continue to shape our futures if we let them. And the words that we speak to others can often shape their lives as well. And so the ancient wisdom found in the scriptures, as we said, teaches us that words matter. History teaches us that words matter. Some of the most powerful political forces have risen via that very means, political speech. Not tanks, not guns, but speech. And in our own experience, we know, if we are honest, looking back, looking forward, looking present, wherever we look, our experiences, the words are not neutral. Rarely they do speak life or death. And we have to go only to one place, which is to Dumbledore from Harry Potter, who says this, words are, in my not-so-humble opinion, our most inexhaustible source of magic, capable of both inflicting injury and remedying it. Words are magic in that sense. Words are sacred Language is holy. Language is a gift given from the creator, from, from God. That When we become aware of it, it really should cultivate some reverence and humility and awe within us, perhaps to the point where we begin to speak the words of the psalm writer when the psalm writer says, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock. And so we're talking about words, not just the words that we use when we're giving official speech like this, preaching or teaching or speeches or oratory of any kind, but the words we use in everyday life, conversations and stories and exchanges that mark our lives. They're important, they're powerful, and they contain great potential for good and for ill, for building up and for tearing down. I heard someone say, words are like fire. The ability to warm and burn to keep alive in warmth and to destroy in a furnace. Our speech and our language can, can do that, but the, our speech and language goes further. It does more. Our speech and our language reveals. Our speech and our language brings revelation. Often our speech reveals 
our hearts. And the scriptures continue to speak to this. Jesus himself in Luke 6 says this, that a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And what you say flows from what is in your heart. David Dark, the theologian, he said this. I read this during the week. Show me your receipts. Show me your text messages, your gas mileage, your online history, a record of your daily doings. And just to get things started, a transcript of the words that you've spoken aloud in the course of a single day, and we'll begin to get a picture of your religion. Words reveal, sometimes reveal some of the deepest parts of us, even when we don't realize it. For good and for ill, words are powerful. Language is magic. Speech is illuminating and revealing. And I guess I want to take this further this morning as we continue to think about this and kick off our series. I want to sum this whole idea up, and I suppose I want to sum it up in, in this way, that words, they not only reveal, but words not only reveal the, the things that are on our hearts and that are inside, but words can reveal new realities to us. Words can open up new worlds. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. The Jewish rabbi, Abraham Abraham Joshua Heschel, spoke about the power of words when he said this famous quote, which really our series is based on, he said this, that words create worlds. And as a Jewish rabbi, he was well-versed in his tradition and how his tradition interprets the origins of the universe, the passage of scripture, a poetic and allegoric form in Genesis that talks about Elohim speaking into the nothing and creating something. Everything, the divine creating the cosmos with what? With a word by speaking. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything was dark, so God said, let there be light. And in this declaration, there was light. Everything was set in motion. Have you ever noticed how much poetry and poetic language is in the Bible. You ever noticed that it's not as much utilitarian or functional as it is as poetic. There are storied language all over the scriptures, parables, poems, songs, different genres, apocalyptic, romance, history, prophetic, allegorical, The reason why the scriptures are mostly stories and poetic language perhaps can help us this morning as we reflect on this topic, help us give a hint into the kind of thing that God is up to, the kind of project that God is into. God is into creating new worlds, creating new realities, worlds beyond the world that we see in front of us, worlds beyond what we can describe The words of scripture themselves point beyond this world that we can touch to another world. The words of God, the words of faith give birth to imagination. 
Just think about the the prophets, Isaiah. Think about the prophets, Jeremiah. I mean, they were all prophets, but they were prophets who used poetic language to birth new worlds and therefore new possibilities in our imaginations, cutting through what seems like reality with a new reality. For example, Isaiah helps us imagine a world that's not ruled by the power, the princes of power as we see it, the kings, but a world that is ruled by the prince of peace. He imagines swords being bent and becoming plows and spears becoming pruning hooks and peace on the earth when all around reality would say that there is no peace on the earth. And this artistic and poetic language when it's baptized with the spirit of God becomes prophetic and it helps us see what is invisible and makes it visible with eyes of faith. What might actually be possible? Words create Words build, words open new world, new vistas of possibility where previously there was no possibility. Words can help us to imagine a world beyond the one we see in front of us. Hopeful, creative words are the tools of faith. And they define us and redefine us and shape our minds to imagine, to imagine more than what we see. Do you know that the word of the year this year, according to the Oxford Dictionary, does anyone know what the word of the year is according to the Oxford Dictionary? Hands up if you know it. Go on, Lisa. Toxic. It was toxic. You're right. Justice was one of the runners. I think it was a runner-up or I don't know. Toxic was the word of the year according to the Oxford Dictionary. Apparently all the dictionaries create a word of the year. I didn't know there was so many. But the one... For the Oxford Dictionary was toxic. 2018 was toxic. That's the, that's the word of the year. And they've selected it because it reflects, apparently, according to them, the ethos, the mood, the preoccupations of this past year and has a lasting potential, they say, to be a term of significance, cultural significance. In 2018, toxic added more strings to its bow, becoming an intoxicating descriptor for all of the year's most talked about topics, from politics to environmental issues and so on. Certainly most, if we're to admit, our political and public discourse has indeed become toxic. And because of that, we think that the future is bleak, or can think that the future is bleak in light of all this toxicity, in light of the the polarizing reality. Yet, for us here now, as followers of Jesus in this room, in this community, and as a people of hope, much like the prophets of old, like Isaiah, we know that things might appear to be desperate, toxic, corrosive, without much hope. We're people that can speak of a different world that is to come. We can be a people so shaped by the promises of God and the words of Scripture that we speak the reality of Christ and can redefine everything. Let me read you this quote from Gail O'Day. It says this, we see this in Isaiah, that through Isaiah's preaching, he offered his community the sights and the sounds of their authentic world, a world determined by God's fear not instead of by their fears. Isaiah, he knew that the only way to move his people out of despair and in the hope-filled future already initiated by God was to reassert 
God's promises over and over again so that finally the language that shaped the life of the community would no longer be, I am afraid, but do not fear. God is at work, Redeemer, in bringing about God's future. We should participate in it by declaring it with our words, by celebrating it, by celebrating God's presence among us in the power of words. I want to tell a quick personal story about words. Ten years ago, more than ten years ago, let me calculate this properly. Oh my goodness, it was like 16 years ago. I'm getting old. I had one of the most darkest experiences of my life, really. And it looked like in the realm of well, you might, you know, according to what I experienced, like a like a like a panic, like a like a season of panic attacks and anxiety, it manifested itself in me waking one night. I was eighteen, at home, being disturbed in my sleep and awaking in absolute terror, terror that I've never experienced before. And I don't even really know how I would explain it to you today, other than maybe I would put language on it that there was some kind of fear within me, a spirit of fear. Something was going on in me. I was startled and it just rattled my world. I mean, rattled my world to the point where I became completely paranoid and actually began screaming the house down on this one occasion. And this happened several times. And if you'd have witnessed me in this state, um, I probably would have looked as maybe some might say possessed or overrun by something that was outside of me. I certainly felt that way. It was such a terrifying experience. But I'm, t- I'm talking about months of this. I'm talking about this lasted for like up to like 18 months of my life where I couldn't actually sleep. I was so terrified. I couldn't sleep alone as an 18-year-old man. Couldn't sleep alone. My grandfather actually moved into our house and set up an airbed on my floor and slept beside me for three months. And every night to get me to sleep, to get me to calm down, he would speak the words of the scriptures to me. He would read the promises of God over me and he would pray those words deep into me. And that season of my life was a terrifying season, but was a season where I have never felt closer to the words and the promises of God and the reality that God wants to create when all around seems dark. Uh, Doctors didn't know really what to do with me. Uh, I got assessed by mental health experts, didn't really know what to do with me. It probably was a mixture of different things going on, psychological and all the rest, but also a deeply spiritual experience for me. And the only thing, the only place that I could turn to, there really was nothing that really helped as much as the words of Scripture. The words of Scripture, the promises that are contained in the scriptures and the presence of the word Christ with me. And I clinged and I meditated on those words and I memorized those words and I underlined those words and some people bought me, friends and family bought me Bibles that had promises of God highlighted in them and um, wrote notes to me and encouraging notes. And as I say, my grandfather and my family continue to pray words over me and I finally came out of that season after 18 months or two years feeling a freedom and a hallelujah, praise God. I I moved on in my life, but it was a difficult, dark 
night of the soul and the only thing as I recalled the power of words I was preparing this week, I remembered that season of words and how important words were to me. The words of God, singing the words of God, reading the words of God, memorizing them, letting them shape my reality beyond what I felt, beyond what I could see. How might we, Redeemer, in 2018, 2019, reshape and redefine our reality with a different word? Not the word toxic, a word that might speak of a different world. Not denying the reality of this world that we live in, but in faith and in hope, speaking about a new world that is to come. How might we play our part in declaring that world into being? What would our word for 2018 last year be? What would our word for 2019 be, personally and individually? It's imp- I suppose it's uh, appropriate today, on the 6th of January, 2019. It's Epiphany Sunday. It's officially the last day of Christmas, um, if you didn't realize. So we probably could sing Jingle Bells, Dave, if you want. Um, it's appropriate to speak about revelation because epiphany means just that. It means revelation. Christians around the world today are celebrating Jesus as he was revealed, not just as the carpenter from Nazareth, but as he was revealed as the word of God, the son of God. And these two events in scripture, Epiphany Sunday, if you look into it, is about the wise men that come to visit Jesus at his birth. And in the second event, Jesus' baptism. And at Jesus' baptism, if you remember, he's 30 years old. And he's really, no one really knows much about him at this point. And yet there's this amazing passage where it says that a voice came from heaven as he was being baptized and said, you are my son whom I love with whom I am well pleased. And Jesus was 30 at that time and it goes on to say that he then began his ministry. These words that were spoken over Christ brought the revelation of of Jesus as the Christ, as the Son of God, as the Word of God. This is man that was walking among us, was the one who created and sustained the cosmos, the Word of God that was in the beginning, that created the universe, had taken on flesh, as John says in the Gospel of John, describes it, and he had incarnated, come into our world to establish the kingdom of God, the promise of a new world, a new reality, a new way of seeing things, salvation, the healing of the nations, the peace of the kingdom of God, the flourishing of a new new humanity, driving away the darkness. Excuse me. This is the world that we continue to hope for and speak of. In 2019, I want to encourage us, in order to use our words to establish a whole new reality, to build worlds different from what we find ourselves, perhaps we might want to become more conversant, more familiar the kind of world that God intends to build. Because if we are familiar with the kind of world that God intends to build, we can then speak it. We can trust it. We can hold on to it. We know it. Much like I began to absorb the words of scripture in that dark season of the soul that began to reshape my reality. And we can begin to speak these words into our everyday lives. We can become conversant in the everyday language of hope. Perhaps this year we, our New Year's resolution, We can set ourselves 
perhaps the intention of, of really getting into the scriptures, of really understanding the story of God and allowing ourselves by the Spirit to be deeply shaped and formed by the language of faith and the language of hope and the stories of the kingdom and the magic, as it were, of God's redemptive project. Because we can be a people redeemer in 2019 that leak, not death, but life in our words. Leak life in our words. Life that uproots death and darkness and destruction with light and life. After all, is this not the church's job to embody the new world of the kingdom of God here and now? I want to read this little quote that sums this up. The role of the church, the role of us as Christians, as followers of Jesus in this participation of words and speech. Walter Brueggemann says this, that reduced speech leads to reduced lives. That Sunday morning is the practice of a counter life through counter speech. The church on Sunday morning or wherever it engages in its odd speech may be the last place left in our society for imaginative speech that permits people to enter into new worlds of faith, to participate in joyous, obedient life. Ben Myers says that the church then exists not for itself, but for the sake of a reconciled humanity. We, the church, are a laboratory of human possibility, human flourishing. We have all, and our materials are not test tubes and chemicals, but a book, a chalice, and the broken body of God. A book of words and the word, Christ himself in the bread and in the wine, and his body and his blood. The church is the rough draft of this new humanity. And by its spirit, the spirit is the author. Rough drafts are always a rather tragic state of affairs at times, messy. But as every writer knows, there's only one thing you can do about it, and that's to revise it over and over. And that is the work that the Spirit does in the community of the church, to revise it over and over and over so that the rough draft becomes a kind of perfection. So what? What now? What next? Well, I want to call us, Redeemer, to this last point, which is about building. I want to call us. We know that words matter. We know that as followers of Jesus, we believe in a new world, his world, kingdom of God, breaking into the here and now, that reality as we see it is not all that there is to the world. What now? Well, I believe we're called to build. It's the 6th of January, as I've said, it's a new year. Uh, and as we begin this new year, many of us are what, reviewing what we did last year. We're looking to put in new diets, new exercise goals, and all the rest of it, make New Year's resolutions. And it's always fun to do that. As we begin a new year as a collective community here, I'm really excited about 2019. I'm really excited about as we enter our 10th, our 10th year as a community, that God has got a lot for us to step into and to seize and to do in faith here and now. I'm excited about it, and I hope you are too. We want to begin this year of possibility with a sense of intention about how we might follow Jesus and how we might build community 
here, community that looks like this rough draft of the kingdom of God, here and now, lived out. And in a sense, that's why I've been talking about words, because words help us do just that, help us set about building a community of Jesus followers that looks like the new humanity, the kingdom of God. Ephesians 2 speaks of that, that in him, we're being built up together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. We're being built up and words help us build up our community, build one another up. Words can destroy, but we are about building. Everything comes full circle. You were created by God, the one who created everything from nothing. And he created you as a creator. You are a creator. You're a builder. You might not be good with a paintbrush. You might not be good with a screwdriver. But your words can build. Like God who created everything, your words have the power to create. The world you trod around in right now is the byproduct of the world, the word that you tell yourself and the ones that you tell others and the ones that others tell you. Of course, this one physical world exists, but not everyone sees the same world, do they? Jesus saw a different world than the Pharisees. Hitler's world, for example, was radically different than Martin Luther King's. The same, in a sense, is, is, is true for you and me, that we have the power to create the world we see with our words. We have the power to create the world that other people see with our words. So, Redeemer, I want to encourage you to begin 2019 as I bring this to a close. I'm not quite there, nearly. I want to encourage us to be a people that are literate in the language of hope. A people that are conversant in words of life. Builders of a new world. Users of language that builds a world according to the values of the one we follow. I want to encourage us in 2019 to speak and call out destiny in people. To, to extend people's horizons of possibility far beyond what they can think or imagine. How? By using words. Words of encouragement. Words of healing power. Words of hope. Words of forgiveness. Breathing space. Words that create room. The language of grace. Generous words. Words that might call out, actually, at times. Words that cut through the veil of reality. Words that shatter the prison of shallow, hopeless, humdrum, this is all there is to life. No, it isn't. Words can build and create, call forth the promises of God and the realities of this humanity as God intends it into the here and now. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to dig more into that. We're going to talk about words that encourage. We're going to talk about how words create. We're going to talk about how words can heal. All for the sake of building up community and establishing God's kingdom here. And I want to invite you in on that journey, Redeemer. Because words can kill, words can give life. And this year, Redeemer, let our New Year's resolution be that we use words, life-giving words, to build up our community. You up for the challenge? You up for that? Do you want to be a builder of this new kind of world? Then let me encourage you to do that. I've got a few things maybe you want to 
you might want to consider. Maybe, practically speaking, as a takeaway, as you reflect on all that we've shared, as this is a bit of an introduction to this whole idea, I'm going to give you a few practical, uh, perhaps, takeaways that you can consider this week. Perhaps, for some of you here, this is, uh, this is the time when you maybe want to begin the journal. You want to begin the journal and let your words pour forth onto the page. Maybe this is a time for some of you to write that letter that you've put off writing. The letter that might seek forgiveness or even grant it. Maybe this is a time, Redeemer, to write that thank you card or the card that seeks to encourage someone or heal. Perhaps, Redeemer, this is the year you should get that coffee with that person. And with your words, tell them how you feel and what they mean to you. Or maybe get that coffee with that person and counter the script that is going on in their head that you know is undermining their life and cut across it with the words of life and affirmation and hope that they lo- they're loved and that they belong. Maybe in this community you're an artist. Maybe this is the year as an artist you get more familiar with the story of God, the language of faith, so that your art actually becomes a vehicle that carries hope and life and light to dark places. Maybe this is a year for you parents. Maybe for parents in the room, this is a a year where you begin to practice speaking truth over your kids and building them up, emphasizing their strengths, encouraging their dreams. Perhaps this is a year for you to put words to your dreams or their dreams, speak it out. Perhaps this is a year for you to pay attention to the words in your prayers and therefore the desires that are on your heart and invite the author of life, the spirit of God to come and hover over the darkness of your heart, just like he did in Genesis, hovering over the waters, inviting the spirit to bring transformation here. Or perhaps this is the year that you maybe speak the unspeakable, where you find a friend, counselor, a spiritual director, and you put words to your pain, to your heartache, to your discomfort in the world. Perhaps this is the year that you become the trusted friend, the counselor, or the spiritual director, and you begin to share what God has done in your life and help people with your words to guide them. Perhaps this is the year that you get familiar with Jesus, the word. Study the gospels and the scriptures yourself. Perhaps it's the year that you place your trust more fully, even for the first time, in the word, in Christ, and begin following him, trusting him for your full healing, forgiveness, and deliverance from all of the brokenness in your life. Perhaps this is the year of yes, taking a risk, stepping out in faith, breaking through that barrier that this is all there is, and saying, no, there's more for me in 2019, there is more. In a prayer, perhaps this week, maybe you want to reflect upon what your word of the year is. What might it be over your life in this season? For others here today, I want to speak to you as well. Maybe you are living under a word from the past that continues to define you and shape you. And maybe you need a counter word, a counter speech that might lead to some kind of different life. Well, I have a word for you today. I have a word for you if you're here today and you're hungry 
from words of life, of a word from the word Christ. And here it is. And with it, I would invite you to stand. I invite you to stand. I would love you to close your eyes. I would invite you to close your eyes, all of us in the room. And it would be remiss of me to kick off a series that speaks about words and the power of words without actually speaking words over us. And so I want you to close your eyes. I want to invite all of us in this room to close our eyes. We're not going to do anything weird. All I'm going to do is, is speak. All I'm going to do is speak. <laughs> and I want you to grab onto the words that resonate with you. Dismiss the ones that don't resonate with you. Grab on to the ones that do. And after it, we'll make our way to the table and we'll break bread together. This is the word for you today. You are going to be okay. Every little thing is going to be okay. You are enough. You're not alone. Christ is with you. You are worthy. You're full of worth. You are beautiful. You carry beauty. You are the handiwork of the divine. You're created for freedom, so be free. You do belong, you do belong. You're loved, you're welcome here. You have another chance, and another chance, and another chance. How about this for a word? God's not finished with you. How about this for a word? Community is hard, yes, but it's worth it. It is worth it. Love is hard, but it's worth it. What about this for a word? You matter. You're good enough. You have something to contribute in the world, you have something to share. Your story matters. Your story is holy. For you have formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me. When as yet there were none of them, how precious to me are your words of God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, They're more than the sand. I am awake and I am still with you.
maybe the words of Psalm 139 are the words that you're grabbing onto. The words that will remind you that you matter, that God has created you, that you're the handiwork of the divine, that you're loved, that you belong, that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Father, I thank you for our time this morning and I thank you for all that you've been speaking to us about. Even in my mere words, Lord, you are always speaking in our songs, in our prayers, in our conversations and in between the lines. You're constantly speaking to us. Give us ears to hear what you might say to us. Remind us of your promises, of the story that we live in and empower us, Lord, to go forward and to speak out words of life to those around us, to bring the reality of the world as you see it into being, to speak words of life and encouragement and healing over people, we pray. We invite you to come as we come to break bread and wine now that you would reveal again to our hearts Christ on Epiphany Sunday that the word Christ would be made known to us. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.